0: Check out org slash 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's org slash 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: Osiris. Welcome to Wheels Off, a show about the messy reality of the creative life. I'm Rhett Miller. Sam Cohen is a record producer, he's also a multi-instrumentalist, he's also my neighbor, and when I went in to make the record that just came out, The Misfit, my solo album, with Sam last year, it was some of the most fun I've ever had. It was a truly magical experience, waking up every morning, commuting over the mountain, 25 minutes to Akard, New York, where his studio, Slow Fawn, is located atop a meadow adjacent to a forest. It's really beautiful. And that bucolic setting, that peacefulness, gave us the space to make this really weird album where Sam and I collaborated really closely on writing and recording these songs all rather quickly. I would roll up in the morning, we would find a a snippet of a song that I had floating around, we would build an entire song out of it, and by the evening, when I would drive back over the mountain, we would have a rough mix of a fully recorded song. It was the most magical something from nothing I have ever experienced, and Sam Cohen, not just assisted in the creation of it, he was integral. He and I together became something larger than either of us uh, could be on our own in making The Misfit. Sam has decades of experience doing things like this, making something from nothing, from his bands Apollo Sunshine, Yellowbird, from the, the work he's done with Kevin Morby, notably, Danger Mouse, Um, And on and on. He's got a long discography. He's got a a lot of experience. And he's a brilliant man and a really gentle, kind, aware. um, He's receptive. He's... He's a great collaborator. He's a great friend. I'm, I'm really grateful that he's come into my life. Uh, thank you, ATO Records and John Salter, the president of the label, for recommending him all those years ago for my last solo album, The Messenger. Sam is somebody I've wanted to talk to for Wheels Off since I started doing these conversations. And the fact that the new album, The Misfit, is now out gave me a great excuse to dial him up. So please welcome to Wheels Off Sam Cohen welcome to wheels off Sam Cohen thank you so much for joining me thanks
2: for having me Rhett Woo!
1: (laughs) uh for the edification of our listeners
2: from where are you joining us uh from my studio in Accord New York which is also um right where I live um, and where we made your most recent record the misfit slow fawn that's the place I love it. Why did you call it slow fawn? Um, Well, very literally, there's a sign up the road that says slow fawns, you know, for like directing (laughs) drivers. Yeah. Um, And there's another, there's a quality to the sign. It's sort of scribbled in red ink that um, I guess a friend... After I had sort of named the studio Slofon and my latest album Slofon, a friend of mine in the area posted a picture of that sign and was like, "If anyone needs a cover for their '90s emo record, oh no!" <laughs>
0: and it was
2: a picture of that sign. So there's definitely a quality when you see it, um for better or worse, that it's like that's something, you know. Yeah. You look at it and you're like, that, "That's more than that," you know. So I kept thinking about it, and also like. As you know, the studio like is in a meadow, deer come through by the dozen, and they're not at all afraid, and I don't want them to be, and they just graze, and they hang out, and they take their time. And so that phrase was just sort of kept cycling through my head, slow fawn, like, these, these are my slow fawns. And then also, we talked about this a lot when we were making the record, but I, when I got here, it was like... The first time when we built the studio and I hit the ground running in here, it was my first time getting back to working in a full-time routine since COVID. And like my perspective on a lot of things had changed. My perspective on the way I wanted to make music had changed. And a lot of the things I was interested in, I wasn't as like skillful as like ripping guitar solos or something that I've just been doing for 30 years. You know, it's like, I want to do these other things, but I feel like a beginner with some of this shit, you know, but it was fun and exciting. And I kept thinking about that slow fawn is this like beautiful, innocent baby, like so vulnerable, Um, you know, it'll probably get eaten, but (laughs) if it doesn't, it'll grow up to be something something majestic you know so that that phrase just meant had all these layers to me and i was like that's that's cool it's perfect for this place you're finding your legs
1: yeah and it's funny because to describe it for the listeners you came from brooklyn where you were renting a studio space that was really cool but very small and felt as about as urban as it could feel definitely and now where you are it was a horse farm until very recently and and you're adjacent to a a forest and you like you said you're in a meadow and it's as open and bright and light and airy and the studio is large it's really a beautiful space i I mean it's got to feel like you've made the right
2: choice right yeah it, it definitely does i mean i'm really happy working up here um everything that's gone on in here has felt really inspired and and just life in general up here, I'm enjoying a lot. And the family is enjoying a lot. I don't think we'll ever go back to the city. I mean, I don't have any plans to leave this exact thing that we're doing. Yeah. You know? Um,
1: So what creative project are you working on right now, Sam? And how does it light you up?
2: Oh, (laughs) well, I'm working this week uh, or these three weeks just started finished the first week with Maddie Diaz. Who's like a great songwriter. Um, she's just been at it for a long time. T- does a lot of like Nashville writing and LA writing. Um, you would love her. She's like very much, you know, like a studied, what? studied writer, you know, who knows how to like turn that engine on. Um, and she reached out. We have some mutual friends um, kind of through my work with Kevin Morby and knowing Katie, his partner from Um, They've done some collaboration, Katie and Maddie. And uh, anyway, I had the good fortune of her reaching out to me to do this record and and we talked and it clicked. And so far it's, it's really great. Like her voice is amazing and her songcraft is fantastic and just sort of, you know, we're, we're sort of starting with basically vocals on this one. It's like one accompanying instrument and then we go straight for like the final lead vocal and are building everything around that. So we've been nothing's finished yet because we're jumping from like sort of getting these bones. And if there is like some vibe stuff to be laid down around it, we'll do it. You know, and we'll jump back to one song that we started already. and But it's like slowly like building out where we've got now the bones of like seven of the songs, but the bones are like the song itself, her vocal, which is very different than the way we worked, which was like huddle, split, I start building the instrumental, you start getting the vocal sort of analyzed, the lyrics like fleshed out, you know, and then we meet halfway like around noon, it felt like we'd usually be like noon or one. We'd try out a vocal and be like, oh, got to make some tweaks to the instrumental, <laughs> got to make some tweaks to the vocal. Um, this one's a very different process. And I think your songs were pretty raw. You had like a Dropbox folder of like voice memos and like seeds of songs. Um, and she has like 33 finished yeah. <laughs> Um, So, yeah, we. I mean, we had a lot of back and forth before the record, just sort of like selecting the top 10, which could could only really get down to about 15 um yeah and i could just tell that she's like she knows what she wants she's very particular about certain things and um it's my first time working with her and i could just tell in her personality and the way we talked there were certain things that she would only be happy with if they were just so so my thinking was let's let's get that stuff done first and then that won't be like a source of anxiety floating over what happens next it'll be kind of like she can relax because she'll be hearing her voice, how she wants it. You know what I mean? And we kind of can't fuck it up from there. Like no, right away, if an idea is appropriate or inappropriate and just build it from underneath. So that's the way we're working. And it lights me up because it's something new and it's a new person in my life, you know, and exploring how she works and how I can do my thing in service of her thing, you know, which excites me every time.
1: I feel like, and I'm not speaking about Maddie specifically, but I feel like so much of your job winds up being um, midwifery or psychotherapy. Like it, you do have to really handle people or, or or meet people in in the middle somewhere. Like, does that feel delicate to you? Does that, is that something that you're really conscious of that kind of um, psychological or, or emotional aspect of producing?
2: Yeah, I. I think so. And inevitably, I always end up having like really personal conversations (laughs) with everyone I'm making a record with. I mean, I I really like to talk to people about where the song is coming from. And especially on a session where there's still like some writing to do or it feels like the songs could go further. I always find that when you start discussing um, the sort of emotional source of the song or the life experience that triggered the song, People say things in that conversation um, where I'll suggest, like, what you just said is so poetic and so beautiful and so visceral because you were just saying literally what it is. That needs to be in the song, too. Like, this stuff is all sort of vague and abstract, but, like, I would have never known these interesting details listening to the song. Can we write a verse or a bridge that's, like, exactly what you just said? You know, um, so I feel like it's important to the art to to, to understand where people are coming from.
1: Boy, and that's got to really make it cool when you have people that you um, go back to working with over and over again, because then it feels like all, you're almost just digging deeper and deeper
2: into a personal relationship and into a collaboration. I definitely felt that with you, like. Yeah, very different experience from the first record we did to the second one. You know, we were getting to know each other on the first one. Um, Yeah, I felt like we just went way deeper to the sort of emotional source of things the second time around.
1: Well, it's true. There's always a little anxiety when you first work with someone like, do they do they think I'm cool (laughs) or or, are they bummed they took this gig? Like, I, I mean, I don't know if if you you know we'll we'll get to that momentarily the 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 negative voices in your own head but I I really love the story of where you Sam came from um not just literally texas because you and I are both texans but um your child prodigy experience which I don't know that you would describe it that way but I always think of you as sort of a <laughs> child prodigy but um would you share a little bit with our listeners where you, like how you started? And also I've never really heard this. Do you remember a moment when you were a kid where you were like, Oh yeah, this is it. I have absolutely, am going to be doing music for my whole life. Um, was there like an epiphany moment for you?
2: Um, yes, it was pretty much day one with music because I had figured out, um, pretty early on that, that, uh, Something in the arts was gonna be appealing to me, like I had been doing some theater stuff when I was eight nine ten, and I loved it and and I had do doing some like local semi professional theater stuff where I was getting to like i wasn't like a kid playing an adult in a kid production. I was a kid playing a kid because an adult theater needed a child to portray the child. So I got to hang with all these interesting people and see all these other walks of life. I loved being part of that team. And I enjoyed that for a long time. And um, and at, at a certain point, I felt when I finished a long run of um, a show, I mean, mind you, I'm 10 years old. <laughs> whatever at this time i had this like sort of ex- exhaustion or just like this sense that i didn't want to go like audition again and learn another character again and do it for a period and have it end i wanted to find something that kept going and going and going um and i like tinkered around with visual art for a little while and then by 6th grade i was sort of actively picking the music i was listening to and <clears throat> some friends at school had the idea to start a band and i was really into guns and roses at the time and i was like slash that i want to do slash i don't quite want to do axle i need the guitar in my <laughs> hands <laughs> i'll I'll do guitar um and my parents who were always super supportive super encouraging of anything creative were like great and they got me like 150 dollar Harmony strat copy at Rock and Robin, which is still there on Shepard. And um in and I Houston, knew, by the in way. Houston, in Houston. Yeah. Yeah. In Houston, Texas. And and I pretty much knew. I mean, I just played it nonstop. I was like, this, this is great. Cause I can just pour everything into this. And I mean, looking back, I can be more articulate about it. But I think there was a sense that like as I change, this will change with me. And I can just change how I approach this, but like, I can just go deeper and deeper and deeper on this thing. And, you know, I was still am the kind of person like, I really need to want something to do the work, <laughs> you know, and that it was just clear as day to that, uh that I was ready to, to do the work to play guitar. So I just poured myself into it and practiced a ton. And Put a band together and by the time i was like 16 i was playing with grown-ups and playing in bars and had like regular gigs and um doing all that stuff did
1: it feel funny that people because people treat a 16 year old kid who's a hot shot on guitar differently was what did that feel like to you were you aware of that or do you or is it just like you know the fish going what is water
2: yeah. um no i was aware of it and You know, and sometimes it, you know, was it was weird when I felt like a kid and it was it was cool when I felt like a hot shot, you know, and and I sort of vacillated and I was definitely a cocky, cocky youngster. So I, I think I got off on it a lot, you know.
1: Oh, hey, Simone. Simone, we are joined right now by Sam's daughter. Oh, Sam has headphones on, so she can't hear me.
2: Oh, yeah. Say hi to Rhett. Oh, yeah. So
1: hi, Simone Cohen. This is Rhett Miller. You're right now. You're on a radio show called Wheels <laughs> Off. Can you say hi to the listeners?
0: Hi, listeners.
1: <laughs> Do you remember when I was there making a record last year? hmm When you came in to visit, did you give me lots of compliments or did sometimes did you make fun of me? Oh, yes. You remember. It's okay. I'm just giving you a hard time. Do you remember singing along? Yes. That's awesome. Do you think you might grow up and be a musician like your dad? I am going to be. What's your favorite instrument? Guitar. Oh, my gosh. That is so great. And how old are you, so our listeners know? Eight. Eight? Mm Mm-hmm. You seem much older than that. You seem like 35 or 60. (laughs) I'm just kidding. You're not. You're great. Okay, last question. Did you beat your dad this morning when you guys played Rummikub?
0: Rummikub.
1: Oh, he's thinking of Boggle. Oh, Boggle. Did you beat your dad this morning when you guys played Boggle? Yes. Oh. (laughs) Guy should be interviewing you, I think. (laughs) Well, thank you, Simone. Thank you so much. All right. Now your dad. Do you have anything else you want to say? I'm better at barkle than daddy. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Thanks, bye. So sweet. Such a good kid. Yeah, she. we had a lot of fun for the listeners. Um, both of Sam's daughters would come and uh, join us when we were working on the record, and they gave me lots of really good creative input. Um, they had lots of ideas. They're very opinionated, which is funny because it reminds me of what I was just going to ask you. Um, I love the way you describe when you were doing theater, right? And you had to deal with uh, productions wherein other people created the content and it was um, a finite amount of time and then it was over and then suddenly everybody was gone. Uh, uh, And then you talk about Wanting to do music where you got to determine the course of what you're doing and create your own content. And because i I look at your career as being a really fascinating series of sort of responses to the last thing and this sort of really brave jumping to another thing despite maybe it being terrifying. For instance, we were listening in our van, the old ninety sevens to Apollo Sunshine, Murray and I yesterday. And sort of marveling at this thing that you were doing. And in a way, it's very different from what you do now, because there you were the front man songwriters. This kind of no-holds barred psychedelic thing. And now what you're doing is it's like it's a lot of work. You're sort of running a company, running a show, running a production. Does it all feel like it's of a piece? Or do you feel like you are, you know, like really skipping from, you know, um, stone to stone here?
2: Um, Well, I mean, there was a definite shift at a certain point or a gradual shift from, you know, being a performer to being a producer slash studio musician, which even as an artist now, I'm still like a producer studio musician in in essence. With Apollo Sunshine, it was, I wasn't the only singer songwriter in the band. It was me and this guy, Jesse Gallagher. who was really like, I feel, part of the popularity of that band. I mean, he had like a performance ethos that was like stu- super raw and real and also incredibly entertaining. And um, and that was a thing that I could never do. I mean, I was always more uh, geared personality-wise towards just the building of the music, you know, an idea for a song and build it up. Um, But uh, yeah, I mean, that's an interesting point. I guess now I do like jump into a new project as soon as I finished the last and it is scary because I have to learn a new person's sort of sensibility and work and I guess it is somewhat comparable to the old days of doing theater more than maybe I'd anticipated. That's interesting.
1: But despite all the collaboration, I mean, it's so self-driven, like you are, you're very much the captain of the Sam Cohen ship. It feels like you choose your projects, you, you know, I'm sure, I doubt you would do it, but I'm sure you could walk out on something if you wanted to, you, you get to direct sort of the day's activities. I mean, you're not at anyone else's whim, except by, by your own choice of being there. Right. That's true for sure. Yeah. And it's funny, I, one of the reviews that came out of The Misfit um, called me out on the thing that I, that is, I, I'm not worried about it, but I do feel like this record, and we talked about this, could easily be Brett Miller and Sam Cohen, you know, like David Byrne and Brian Eno, My Life in the Bush of Ghosts, or whatever. You know, you and I collaborated so thoroughly on this record. Um, I feel like, and, and one of the reviewers said, Sam Cohen, whose name should be alongside Rats on the the front of the album. I I saw that. (laughs) That's the only review I saw, actually. I was like, yep, it's true. But um, yeah, I don't know. Sorry. That's all right. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I love it. But so having worked with you really closely and having seen um you know day in and day out and and some days are easier than others and some days are trickier and thornier and in terms of just you know you individually or, or me individually and then um some days get uh some days are interpersonally like really glorious successful obviously successful days and some days are more just frustrating inevitably right that's the way it is yeah I, I wonder about for you because to me you seem like you're always pretty in control. You don't seem like you ever spiral too far into a funk, um, Mm. though, you know, obviously sometimes a dark cloud will pass over. I wonder for you when you're dealing with the stuff we started to touch on earlier, those um, internal voices that, um, that sometimes can get in the way um, negative self uh, criticism. How do you deal with that? How do you get through that?
2: I guess, um, I I think when I was younger, I would just sort of give in to that stuff, you know? Um, and I'm thinking especially of like, in the most collaborative period, um, Apollo Sunshine is like an artist writing with other people and like really doing a collective thing. Um, sort of when I look back on that time, one of the things I remember most is how our, negativity affected one another and how our positivity could bolster the whole thing or like how it really took a leader to like care positively about something to get anything to happen um and i think i just sort of accepted that as um as my job in production you know like i can't let it go off the rails like if i Here it can be more, and I haven't quite figured out how or how to pivot it, you know, until I can figure that out. My job is to just sort of as honestly as possible manage um, the frustration in the room, you know what I mean? And be like, okay, well, it's all right. Let's, (laughs) you know what I mean? Let's put a little flag in this one and like, maybe we'll try it another way tomorrow or let's move on. But just to not let it be all consuming. I think I've just, maybe it's just been in that situation enough times to know, like, you can't always like just sort of pound your way through it. Sometimes you need to just like pivot or dodge the problem for a minute. So you have a fresh perspective on it.
1: Well, it's so funny. I feel, I wonder if you, um, I wonder if you realize how generous that is, being willing to be the one to swallow their own frustration or whatever negative thing is happening within you, and like give the room the pivot or give the room the positive, you know, words of encouragement that it needs, give the artist you're working with.
2: Sorry, one second. Simone okay. is asking me something. What the outside? Oh, for sure. Yeah. So what's happening right
1: now yeah, definitely. is Simone. Uh, Sam's daughter uh, has carried an old, looks like maybe Pretty an old pieces, yeah. K guitar uh, outside onto the porch nice. overlooking the really former horse farm meadow. Um, and she she just asked Sam if she could carry the guitar out onto the porch. And if your kid... I'm telling the listeners what's happening. And if your kid asks you if they can bring the guitar onto the porch, <laughs> your job as a parent is to say, oh, my God, yes, please. Because I want you to start early.
2: Totally. She's um... <laughs> having a really nice time. She's like, you, you know, the deck on the studio is like pretty dreamy. It points at that fun tree that you love. It looks like a goalpost, yes. you know. Yeah.
1: Hey, boo. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, she needs a plectrum as they're known in the, the UK yeah. or a guitar pick. <laughs> and, um, and there she goes. So yeah, that, that horse farm, by the way, just to paint a visual picture for the listener, uh, when, when Sam, uh, and his family were clearing it out, they found so many horseshoes in there, metal horseshoes that there's a literal mountain, maybe hill. If, if we're being literal, a hill <laughs> of horseshoes outside of the recording studio that I feel like has got to be good luck
2: oh yeah for sure i mean it feels like it has been so far we haven't got as much use of it out of the manure as out of the manure pile that they left yeah like truly they left this (laughs) huge huge (laughs) pile of horse manure and we've we've done a good bit of landscaping and gardening and stuff and it's been really nice having all that horse shit
1: the gift that keeps on giving totally um basically my question my question was just this when you have to occupy the role of the person who's um helping everybody stay calm or stay positive. You know, I just wonder do you feel like sometimes that costs you something? Like do you, are you having to dig into a well where you're taking from your own resources to like give to other people? Cuz it does feel like a really generous thing you're doing when you help your artists through
2: the difficult moments that's nice of you to say i never experience it that way i think i think for me it's not the most natural part of the job for me it's like the part i've had to learn and work on um because i think just strictly as an artist like i think a big part of what's driven me has been a sort of like neurosis or sense of like there's so much in this world that i find cheesy if I if I chisel that all away I'll probably be left with a piece of art that I like, you know. So like some in in a lot of ways like my whole kind of aesthetic sense is is crafted by like a distaste for things and a negativity if you will. Um so yeah, but learning I think in my more ripe age now I'm learning how to like restate that, like take the double negative out of the sentence and state it as a positive, if that makes sense, you know? Totally. It's like a grammatical shift. Um, all right. So the, the way these uh, conversations
1: usually wrap up is I ask you to sort of distill some of this information that you've shared and the fact that Simone has appeared in the interview makes this even more sort of actionable. I wonder if you were to imagine a young version, a younger version of yourself, like a 21-year-old version of you, uh, what advice would you give yourself in today's world? Not not back then, but 21-year-old you in today's world, what advice might you give yourself?
2: Hmm. Um, I think just sort of, Keep an open eye for um, where what you do might be useful, you know, because I think, like, I think that's been the secret to my finding myself in a good place. I'm saying success is a relative term, you know, not everyone would view it that way, but I have found myself in a place where I'm getting what I need out of music and life. So for me, that's... I feel very fortunate. And I think a big part of that has been when things that I hoped for or was, you know, expecting didn't seem to be materializing, other things simultaneously were. And to just sort of, like, fill the void where you can see how what you offer is going to be the the solution, you know? Um. I think that's been the key is kind of being malleable and and letting go of some of the ego stuff of like, I need to be the one right here. Instead, just sort of looking like, what do I do? What do I love to do? How can I keep doing it? You
1: know, I love that. And boy, and you really point at a thing that comes up a lot in these conversations, which is just the the poisonous nature of um, envy or maybe looking at what you think you should have and what you don't have, and rather focusing on what you do have. And I think you do a great job of that, just as someone who knows you and works with you. Thanks, buddy. You too. That's so sweet, man. Well, I I feel like we could do a very extended uh, version of this. (laughs) Hi, Simone. Um, (laughs) I appreciate that Simone joined us there's a big energy in that kid and both your kids. And I really appreciate this. And um, I hope you have a brilliant day out there on the horse farm. And thank you so much for the misfit, the work you did on that record. And I'm going around
2: taking credit for all of it is just (laughs) it's so brilliant. (laughs) Uh, Thanks for having me on the show, man. Um, Congrats on the release. I'm excited about it. And, uh, you know, always a pleasure talking to you. Let's get together when you're off the road. Absolutely. That's awesome.
1: And tell the ladies I said hello and I will see you soon, my friend. Thank you. Bye, Rhett. All right. Thank you so much for listening to Wheels Off. Please be sure to rate and review the show on iTunes. That helps us appear higher in the search results and lets other folks know that it's a cool podcast to listen to. Also, as the kids say, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or anywhere else that you listen to shows like this so that you never miss an episode. This has been Wheels Off, and I'm Rhett Miller, encouraging you to create every day. Thanks, y'all.
2: Osiris.